4: Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast that lets you know all of the latest happening in the world of Lucha Libre. Each week, our team discusses news and events from this past week, as well as preview the week ahead, covering Mexico-based promotions and top independents, along with luchador-related news from throughout the United States. The Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network, on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the network are also available on all major podcast streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, PodBay Speaker, and more. And don't forget, we are also streamed with our partners at TheChairShot.com. My name is Miranda Morales, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast, and let me bring in the rest of the team. Introducing first, he is the dashing one, Mr. Dusty Murphy. Dusty, how are you?
2: I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing,
4: Miranda? I am doing great. And, of course, we never do this show without the third <laughs> member of this trio, and that's who? 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 It is the one and only Brendan Barr. That's true. Hey,
5: I give you a tiny bit of joking grief last week, and you ham it up this week. <laughs> Fantastic. I just think
2: a That's fact.
5: We've like. never done a like, show without you. <laughs> I
4: just, I, I'm sorry. We're just. I thought we were just stating facts. Just, My bad. I, I'm, I'm
5: just... willing to go. Willing to go with these facts. I just. <laughs> I'm amused. That's all. Thank you. It's great to be here as yeah.
4: always. <laughs> thank you for carving out some time out of your busy schedule to be with us, Virgin.
5: Oh, oh. <laughs> always time to be here. This oh yes. Yeah. It's my destination.
4: Yes. Well, and we like to thank all of our listeners on the show, um, and those who listen. I just want to give a special shout out. Um, this was great news for me to find out uh, that our interview with Danny limelight which was released last week has been making the rounds uh those uh, guys at cultaholic uh, got word of it and uh got some great quotes as far as Danny's inspiration of going to MLW uh so that was a very cool thing to see uh for myself as being a fan of cultaholic and their work uh to know that somebody over there listened to you know our little podcast uh at least the the interview with danny so um and we've definitely been seeing um some great responses to the interview so a just big thank you to all of those who have listened who have shared our interviews who have shared uh our episodes um it is just great always to know um that there's people out there listening to the show, learning about Lucha Libre, learning about uh, you know the amazing talent out there in pro wrestling, and don't you worry, we'll keep on doing it for you each and every week. And so with that, we're going to kick it off with the way that we kick off every show, and that is The Road Back to Shows with Brendan.
5: Heck yeah. So, I'm just going to gloss over this real quick. Mexico is still just doing Mexico things Their CMLL is still having the normal amount of fans they've been having in this post-pandemic era. Uh, AAA is still moving forward with fans, shows, but, you know, um, IWRG, all that fun stuff. So, we're going to move on to, to uh, upcoming news that, you know, news about upcoming matches and other things that might be happening. Uh, I'm, I'm starting, start with some, some announcements here. Uh, Defy Wrestling announced that La Rebellion is going to be at their show Hellbent, uh, in Los Angeles, the lodge room in Highland Park on 1014. So, uh, that's the show we, we kind of talked a little bit about with Viva Van. So now we're getting a little more lucha flavor on it. And I'm, I'm super jealous that it's in LA and I'm probably not going to be able to go there twice this month. Uh. Uh, Dusty pointed this one out to me, so Dusty, you you get the fan submission credit. Uh IWRG is running a Fan Books the Show contest for their 1017 show. Basically, they show you the poll of luchadors that are available. You book the entire show. If they like the your version of it, you win a year free admission to uh, shows at the arena and uh and then, uh, they'll actually run the card. Uh, the problem is that by the time you're hearing this, the contest will be over, but it's still very interesting. Uh, that will definitely be a card that we will feature on in the indie roundup, uh, is just because it will, it's guaranteed to be different and interesting and something that we'll pay attention to. I doubt I'll win because I don't think I submitted on time, but, uh, I'm going to try. I did try. Um, so we, uh, and then we have a few other bigger matches that are being announced inside the United States. AAW has, uh, has a show that's gonna air on Fight TV. It's, uh, going to feature Gringo Loco and Ares versus Laredo Kid and Aramis. Also on the card are Christy James and Thunder Rosa. So, I mean, you're off to a good start for good content. Uh, Gally has started their Gallymania hype. Uh, it's gonna be this weekend in Cicero Stadium, uh, so there's gonna be Aerostar and Drago, uh, against El Trador and Golden Star, Atomico Jr., Cody Jones versus Arrow Boy, Eros and Ares versus Golden Dragon and Gringo Loco for the Galley Tag, uh, Hijo de L.A. Park and L.A. Park Jr. against Laredo Kid and Mecha Wolf, and Mil Muertes against L.A. Park, and somewhere in there also Emperor Azteca. So, I mean, this is a loaded, loaded lucha card. And this is Galley in Chicago. So, like, perfect time to see it. They also tend to put everything up on IWTV within a month. So if you can't get to Chicago on Sunday, you will have lots of chances to watch this.
4: I uh, going to give a quick shout out to, to Wrestling with Unicorns. Um uh oh, yeah. Rio who goes I believe he records that show quite often and um has lots of clips that are usually up for galley and so if you uh yeah. aren't able to do either or any of those options, make sure you are following Wrestling with Unicorns on social media um because they he has a lot of um really cool clips. Um, it's wrestling with unicorns. Um, Absolutely. and there, you there call are other free option. Yes, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the free option. But uh, that's how I discovered Gally was with, uh, from wrestling with unicorns.
5: Yeah, and, and it, uh, it's high quality. Uh, they, he, they, he, they get, uh, get good, get good seats and, and usually put up really good high quality stuff. So you can get up to the minute results from them. As well. And uh we'll we'll just keep. uh Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. I'm um, glad someone remembered ahead of time, because I always remember Dave, the event like, oh, yeah, I'll just go check out wrestling with unicorns. <laughs>
4: Yeah, just I, as you were telling all the options to view, it just reminded me how much of a cheapskate I am many times. Uh But also, I that's how I found out about Galley, and when those clips come up, you're absolutely right. Sometimes it's, you know, after the fact, but um, I, I think, too, Galley is a great promotion that definitely, you know, doesn't get a, a lot of visibility, or at least, you know, traction compared to some of the others. I know Chicago's a very competitive um wrestling market, but it is there. one of those few really lucha libre uh focused promotions out in the midwest to east coast, which is, you know, fairly rare. So I just like to give that shout out to Galley. Yeah,
5: it's they're they're really kind of uh the only lucha oasis in the middle of the country. Yep. <laughs> um. Uh Yeah, so uh also going on right now, Maslucha is showing their first round of the Supremo tournament. And so their first round pairings uh are Laredo Kid and Emperador Azteca, Bandido and Jesse Ventura, Rayman and Quattrero, and Viano 3 and Sangre Azteca. I don't know why that particular word slowed me up, but... That's going on in my other window right now. It's very exciting and very distracting, so I'm trying to not watch it while I'm talking. Um, And then also this weekend, we're going to have Big Lucha Libre hosting the Lucha Indie Fest in Ectopec. Now, Big Lucha Libre, as we know, is um, is uh, Bandito's promotion that he runs out of his gym, mostly, except for this is going to be in Ectopec. So, Footage, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get footage or we're going to get results, but they're promoting it on social media, so I'm expecting we will get something. So hopefully I'll have stuff for you on that next week. And then we had a, a fun one that was kind of in the same vein as the Sincara thing we've had before. There are, as we've mentioned a few times on the show, multiple people using the, the Mysterioso mask. And this became a story this week. Uh, Cubs fan reported it first and brought it to my attention uh, that uh, there was a story out of Torreon, uh over an Arena Coliseo booking where they booked the L.A. Mysterio. So the one that appears in PWR, we were talking about for them. He's also on New Japan and several other uh California based promotions. Uh, and there is one that is, has been wrestling out of, uh, the, the area in Mexico for a while. So the fans were upset and accusing the building of bringing in a cloned Mysterioso. Uh, so the, um promotion responded. I did enjoy that this is an all caps version. Uh, so it, I don't know if they're actually yelling at me or if they just really didn't, didn't think about what that looks like to us. Uh, this is a direct Google translation. I do apologize. There's some very clearly not right words in here, but I wanted to do the best I could to bring the, uh, their actual words forward. Uh, there was a, so here, here we go. There was a little discussion about the next participation of the, of the mysterious in new Japan USA, but we want to clarify that this is not a clone and that the, King himself recognizes it because they have worked together and we want, we want to be with, we want to be with us for a long time. So that basically right there, they're saying, you know, uh, so that they do not let them be fooled or taken by bad comments. We are 100%, uh, we are a 100% responsible company that does not provide for any situation outside the laws. It goes on like this. They're basically saying they, they, uh, checked with, uh, the commission, they checked with Mysterioso, uh, and they've, you know, checked with, uh, they've talked with the wrestlers themselves. So, the long and the short of it seems to be the original Mysterioso Authorized a number of people to use the mask and name, uh, for whatever reasons. The rumor is that it's for money, which, you know, I mean, in Lucha, that seems the most plausible, but the pretty much the people running around with a mysterioso, m- the majority of the people running around with the mysterioso mask are probably, probably went to school under him at some point and are using the identity. Uh, we here, at the Lucha Central Podcast have mostly been talking about the California-based one. This is the first time I've brought up the Ectopec one.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, but it's just kind of an interesting thing that the, there do exist multiple Mysterioso, and uh, much like Sin Cara, they all kind of have a claim to being – oh, uh, sorry, Mystices would be a better version of that story. Much like Mystices, they have uh, mud, uh, all kind of have a claim to the name. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, or Rey Mysterio senior. Um I I frequently get stories when I, I about Rey Mysterio doing this or that and I'll always like smile and nod and say I didn't know that and then I'll go and fact check it later and find out that there is a yet another Rey Mysterio that is doing something interesting. So that was my road back to shows. Um I only have a couple things for the indie roundup this time. Uh PWG had 3 Mendes this weekend, this last weekend on Sunday, and they had a few Lucha-related matches there. They had, I know, so this is just barely Lucha adjacent, uh, but it's my warm-up here. Evil Uno against Tony Deppin. Uh Evil Uno came out on top on that. Then you had Dragon Lee against Aramis. Dragon Lee came out on top on that one uh and then Alex Shelley and Jonathan Gresham were in a number one contenders match. Now this will be interesting later because of news in ROH as well, but Alex Shelley won this one. Uh spoiler alert, Jonathan Gresham is in the mix for the the World Heavyweight Championship in ROH, more on that later. But Alex Shelley is the number one contender for the PWG Heavyweight championship. And then you had the, you had Brody King and Malachi Black in a tag team match against Black Taurus and Flamita. And, uh, I can't find footage of this yet and this makes me sad. I feel my life is a little bit emptier by not being able to see. This sounds amazing. Uh, <laughs> so if you've got footage of that tag team match out there, send it to me. I won't mind watching this like five or six times, so don't worry if somebody else might have sent it to me first. Please send it off. And then last week, we uh, got so excited about other things, and I didn't quite have results ready yet, but Defy also performed last week, 925. They had a couple of Lucha matches for us. Uh The Cook Brothers were in tag team action against uh Guillermo Rosas and Leo Negro. The Cook Brothers did come out on top on this one, but I am fairly certain that... uh Somebody ate a cowbell and and had Leo Negro dance on them. So these are these are all good things. If you have not seen these these two luchadors in action, it's not they're not normally a tag team, but they both are uh, very uh, they have unique spins on the on the the lucha style, which is fantastic. And then uh, Donica de la Rouge and Rebel Kell, who have been building up to a fight, had a street fight that. Uh, was not a street fight because it ended in a no contest. So I don't know what happened there, but all the more reason I need to go see the next one so I can get you guys more story on this. But, uh, there we go. That was my indie roundup. Uh, as always, I'm gonna ask for, you know, results, uh, anytime. I'll even come swing back around because I got, finally got my results from Defying. Uh, you know, a week later than, than I would have, uh, done it if I'd been able to go. So thank you for, uh, for, for getting me the results and I, uh, I will, uh, continue to cover anything you guys submit for me in one form or another.
4: Thank you, Brendan, for the Road Back to Shows and the Indie Roundup. Up next, well, you know what time it is. We're going to kick it off to Denise Alcedo, who brings us this week's Lucha Central Central.
3: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis. With attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your
3: Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked-about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez, as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central Weekly podcasts, one in English y el otro en Español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name or subscribe the Lucha Brothers, as well as Japanese legend Ultimo Dragón. Go to lucha-masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks from your favorite Lucha legends and Pro Wrestling Revolution luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite luchador. Get yours now at lucha-masks.com
4: powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. And that was Denise Salcedo bringing us this week's Lucha Central Central, letting you know what's happening throughout the lucha central podcast network up next it was a big week in the wwe uh i don't know if you guys heard but there was like a draft happening and no i'm not talking about what happens when a you know the wind comes in uh through the door it is the 2021 wwe draft and we had some interesting movements between rosters that we'll get into so go ahead dusty and take it away
2: yeah, uh we'll save the draft for the second part. We'll cover some matches real quick that way we can get into discussion about it. Um on RAW, Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo defeated Mustafa, and Ali, Mustafa Ali and Mansoor. Angel got the pin on Ali again in a 1 minute and 45 second match and I really loved the intensity of these two guys. Angel and Humberto, their cousins, they work well together, they're like a couple of assassins in the ring, like sharks <laughs> circling the prey. And they just move right through it. And we'll get into the, the draft in a minute. Uh, part of my notes really refer to that. But great stuff. I'm excited for what's coming for them. And then on main event this week, and yeah. Cross defeated Ricochet And this was easily the best match that the two of them have ever had together. And I really liked the development and the psychology of this match. Last time, Ricochet lost because of a quick and sudden powerbomb. So this time, he'd gotten smart to the powerbomb. He was looking out for it. He was ready to counter it. Little details like that are what makes wrestling really exciting and makes it rewarding and just makes you feel more invested because you see the development And we've seen this trilogy of matches between Carrion and Ricochet play out on Main Event. And as much as NXT is changing with the draft and everything, so too is Main Event. It's taped before Raw every week on Monday night. So we will be getting a shake-up in talent. We'll cover a couple of other things regarding some talent that's been on Main Event lately. But the changes in the future will be interesting. And now we get to the draft. So much went on with the draft. So first on SmackDown, they moved Rey Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio, drafted. They moved them to Raw. Selena Vega was drafted to Raw. Then on Raw, Garza and Carrillo were drafted to SmackDown as a tag team. Lucha House Party was left out. We've got a lot of stuff to cover here. So first, we've got Garza and Carrillo. They were specifically drafted as a tag team, which is interesting, and finally gives both of them some direction. I think Angel's ready-made for the singles matches, but uh, tag team's better than nothing. They've been getting a lot of shine on Raw lately, which is nice. And the interesting thing is that not only were they drafted as a tag team, but SmackDown has like a really stacked tag team roster now. Like yeah. they got a lot of tag teams, mm-hmm. so that's suddenly you know very interesting. The women's division and on SmackDown became pretty stacked with the draft too, and we've seen the you know really what made NXT popular, what made it shine was it had a great tag division and a great women's division. And those were like the things that it had going for it. And all of a sudden that's kind of rolled over to SmackDown. AEW has a great tag division, uh, not as great women's division, and I think that WWE may be kind of seeing the writing on the wall there and trying to adapt to what's making those programs popular, but on SmackDown gets the most eyes on it. It's easy to keep SmackDown as the number one wrestling program in the world each week because of the broadcast availability on Fox. Just more eyes are able to be on it than on Dynamite. And I think WWE is absolutely petty enough to care about that kind of thing. And <laughs> I I do. I think they're trying to use yeah. the kind of touch tones from the um a the AEW shows and the NXT shows, what was popular to make SmackDown more popular, keep more eyes on the product. We'll see what happens, but I think that's what they're building towards. We also had Ray and Dominic going to Raw, and I'm hoping that this is really a good thing for Dominic. He could possibly thrive on Raw. There's new matchups, there's new things going on, different stuff going on with him there. He's been so repetitive on SmackDown. It was like they were in a holding pattern this thing with Sami Zayn, but they weren't willing to let him have a win over Sami Zayn. The whole thing was just bizarre. And uh, now that he's at least out of there, maybe they'll do something fresh with him. I believe that the Raw writers and the SmackDown writers don't intermingle, so maybe different writers will have a different feel. <sighs> We'll see what happens. At least they're not treading water until the draft like they were with Sami Zayn. <laughs> I do have
5: to point out that they, they've always had a wonderful team of writers for Raw and SmackDown, and then everything gets rewritten at the last minute by one or two people. So, tamper temp, that apt- optimism out there, people. They, uh, <laughs> well, it's and- always, it's always good to be optimistic and positive, but at the same time, that seems to be my expectation, so.
2: Absolutely. And to a large degree, those writers, even as great as they are, they're writing for an audience of one. Yes. Because Vince yeah. is the only person that matters, and he doesn't really like what we like, which is unfortunate. <laughs> no. He doesn't, and
5: yeah. he is not a yeah.
2: Lucia fan. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say yeah. he's not really a yeah. Lucia fan.
4: Uh, you know. Well, and, and there is also some, you know speculation about The networks wanting certain People on certain shows So that you know again Not not confirmed But if that is indeed the case That also then played An influence on who landed on what Shows Um And I think that Ultimately now you have to you know Change up your Roster and your storylines to match Up what you know, who you have as your champions, who your programs are with. One interesting note too about Ray and Dom moving to Raw is so did Seth Rollins. Uh, you know, and so that was someone that they had, had a feud with previously and at one point they all moved from Raw to SmackDown and now they've all moved from SmackDown to Raw. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was just kind of an interesting uh, you know, turnaround in, you know, really how much things change in just a year. Um, I think it even been a little bit more than a year, but that you know, how how much things That's change. It, yeah. Um, you know, also drafted to Raw's Carmela, so I'm not sure if we're gonna see the team of Zelina and Carmella um continue, but I actually did like that team. And if you're not really gonna have them as singles competitors win. Really, I think having them as contenders for the women's tag belts would be really interesting. They and
5: broke up a lot of women's teams this time mm-hmm. around. All so of they, they
2: except the champions. Yeah, yeah. Tag teams got I, broken I, up, except for the champions. I
5: hadn't confirmed that. I was going to ask you that question, Dusty. <laughs> but <laughs> there we go. Uh, but to that, to to Miranda's point, there that would put them and put put these team, new teams in a perfect place to to come up through the ranks. Um, will you, uh, Miranda, you alluded to uh, the the uh, rumors that we actually talked about on this show a, a couple of times. Fox, from a heavily, uh, fairly credible source, Fox had uh, it's been said that Fox wanted specific talent to mm-hmm. focus on the West Coast. So I just wanna, I I feel like since we've talked about it on this show, we don't really need to allude to it. We might as well just be open. That is the rumors that we're kind of dealing with here. And, like, and they want what well, they seem to want Luchador, so I'm supporting Fox wanting West Coast talent. Yeah. Sorry, Miranda. I, I think I derailed you. I apologize. No,
4: no, no. That was just me kind of throwing out some, <laughs> some random thoughts about all of these Moves. And, and I agree with Dusty as far as, you know, talking about Angel and Humberto about, you know, are they better or or built for singles competition? Absolutely. But is this the train that they are going to have to ride on for a bit? Probably. And is that a good thing? Absolutely. Um, because then at least they get that TV time. At least we get to see them in action. Mm-hmm. At least we get to see them with wins. And you know they could really build up to be some solid tag team contenders. Now, what happens afterwards with them? You know, after they get their title yeah. shot and and lose, because uh, then <laughs> you have Lusos as champions, and that's not right. changing. You know, yeah. what, what do you do in that well, case? That's when maybe you know slowly we have the the drift come. But the buildup in the meantime is going to be great for them.
5: I, I, I mean just just on on the. The Usos aren't losing to Umberto and Angel. That's... They will lose at some point, but... Well,
4: yeah, yeah. at some point. To <laughs> but somebody, you're right. Some you're right.
5: The, the, the momentum for Umberto and Angel is never going to be enough to penetrate that, that uh, bloodline aura right now. So, but... I'm going to say it out loud because, we, again, we're hinting at it. The WWE likes to break up tag teams. They're the ones that actually kind of perfected it. And I'm going to go all the way back to the barbershop window. So, like, uh, don't be surprised if somebody winds up with a rose shoved up their ass as the tag team. Just
2: saying.
5: (laughs) I had to go a long way to get to that gag. Sorry. Yeah.
2: Also, an interesting draft news, we had what honestly made much more news than if they had been drafted, but Uh Lucha House Party were not drafted. And as you may recall, we previously reported that Grand Metal League had asked for his WWE release in September. He hadn't been seen at all since uh, WWE TV since the episode of Main Event taped the night of September 13th. Lince Dorado similarly hadn't been seen on WWE TV since September 20th's main event. So, like, do you guys think this is a a sign that they're going to be released? We've seen WWE trim of the fat lately around every quarterly fall.
5: Yeah, let's start with what show were they ostensibly supposed to be a part of before the draft?
2: Technically Raw, since they were appearing on main event. That's... The okay. Raw roster. Yeah. So,
5: so they would be, if they were to stay, they would be in the raw tag team division, which is not very loaded right now. And right. also means they're not up against the Usos. So they have room to, to, to move higher. There's a glass ceiling that they don't have that is, is a much less, uh, much more breakable. So I don't know. It, um, Grand Metal League did ask for his release. It's publicly known, and that tends to be tends to mean even if you do stay, you don't do very well. Right. Uh, but at the same time, that could be a negotiating tactic to be a better team or better used on the program they're on. Well, so, that's
2: that's what I wonder. I mean, like, so. Going forward, if Metalik he he negotiates if he becomes a single star, where does that leave Lince Dorado? I mean, I mm-hmm. think Lince is a great singles wrestler. I think he's got the best shooting star press in all of WWE. But at the same time, we've become accustomed to him as a tag team guy, and yeah. it's been a long time since Metalik's been a singles guy. So.
4: Well, yeah, it, it, you wonder as far as what would be a good storyline for him. What would be, would he chase after a title? Would he just have a feud with someone? I think too, what also creates this challenge is other content that is moving in different directions. Um, mm-hmm. so 205 Live is now becoming more of an arena similar to NXT, um, mm-hmm. as far as more up and coming talent, newer talent. So that really just leaves, you know, a main event. As, you know, this additional area of, of programming and content, which is great because as far as the matches themselves, you know, you actually have more time. But, you know, at the same time, it does leave this gap of, you know, where does that leave both of them as, you know, big picture wise on the roster. And you could see, you know, maybe a, a feud for, um you know, maybe, you know, the United States Championship or intercontinental, um uh, but that would definitely you know really require I think something really deeply rooted story wise you know um and both of them in in general too, I mean are very well liked and are fan favorites, okay. um but it's hard when I think again similar you have kind of similar in style, you know how do you then differentiate that in a single's role you know or do you or is this a, you know kind of the demise? of lucha house party that you know was teased you know back when Calisto uh uh was you know in the group and that breakup happened you know do do we see that or is it just more of a thing like the new day where they're they never technically break up but they do their own thing
2: I I would prefer that you know like <laughs> affiliated but not necessarily a tag team like you know, Batman needs Superman. You gotta have a a buddy that you can call on to help back you up when things are tough and they could be that role for each other. And they have that same superhero feel with the yeah. masks and the, the gear I mean and, and the moves. Like grandmother Le I mean like the things he can do are just mind blowing and I feel like there's so much they could do together without necessarily being a tag team that it would be a shame to separate them right now if they stay within WWE. Mm-hmm. And, but if they leave WWE, I don't know if they remain a tag team or not. I think it would benefit Lindsay a little more than it would Grand Metalik. I mean, Mascara Dorada is still a known name, especially yeah. in Mexico.
4: But I, also, I think what Lynn say, you know, he was a rising star and got to the level of getting to the Cruiserweight Tournament. Absolutely. Um, he was so one I do. of the
2: most exciting singles wrestlers in the
4: tournament. So if we kind of even play devil's advocate and think about, you know, other promotions with, uh, you know, a strong Lucha presence and also a place where he can really reinvent himself, you know, Ring of Honor, MLW, You know, even even impact are places where we've seen people from WWE come, um, and I say primarily MLW and, and impact and be able to reinvent themselves. And I think Lindsay definitely has the adaptability to be whoever he wants to be, whether it's this current iteration of him or a new one. And if anything, that gets me very excited to see what the future holds for Lindsay. Cause I think in some ways, you know, you only have so many parameters in WWE to grow and change in the sense of changing your character, changing your, you know, who you are. But when you leave that system and you, you know, you go off on your own, you know, the world is your oyster when it comes to who do you want to be and and how do you want to present yourself with that. And I think at least to Lindsay's advantage, he definitely is, you know, more in tune with the younger audience, um, with more yes. culture, uh, more creativity. And I think that would be very cool to see. Um, I mean, in, in all his gear that he makes, in his Absolutely. moveset, in the way that he talks, you know, he's very much a modern luchador, and I do think that that would lend him well wherever he goes, but especially in the WWE, if he did stay, you know, he really is a, a perfect hybrid of entertainer and mm-hmm. luchador. He
2: he absolutely is, and if it's outside of WWE, he had an amazing, you mentioned his gear, he had an amazing Twitch channel and put presence on Twitch. He would make his gear on there. He'd play games. He'd chat with fans. Like he has a built in audience ready to follow Lindsey. Like they are ready. And
5: I I thought was that ready. was the biggest loss when with mm-hmm. the, the, the recent round of uh of of rules and regulations. Like as much as Alina's channel was great, I thought Lindsay really lost out mm-hmm. on a market with the
0: clamping Absolutely. down on
5: social media they did and that would mean that he would have a lot more to gain by leaving as well. Uh, they haven't publicly said he's leaving, but the two, uh, the two tend to to be good friends and move on, move, move together. So, yeah. uh, you
2: know, we'll see. It, it'll be interesting for news on the draft, for news on SmackDown Raw, and anything else that comes up with Lucha House Party, be sure to check out LuchaCentral.com, your place for all things Lucha Libre.
4: Dusty, you ain't done yet. You no. ain't done because you still have a whole week's worth of AEW content as well. And boy, Loaded was it a week.
2: week. Oh, big week, <laughs> yes. First up on Friday Night Rampage, Jade Cargill, Jade Cargill. Excuse me. Defeated Nyla Rose and Thunder Rosa in a triple threat match. Rosa is still undefeated in singles matches, but I really hated seeing her lose and lose her undefeated streak here. I felt like this was a really rare misstep for her and AEW because this just felt like another match. It didn't feel like her loss meant anything or didn't feel like it felt important it didn't make me feel like jade was much more of a threat than she already was i i wasn't a fan i am i'm a big nyla rose fan but at the same time i still think that nyla rose should have taken the pin in the match instead of thunder rosa like It, it it just wasn't for me especially after all they've done to build up thunder rosa it it just, yeah, it felt off. It felt like all the hope and possibility that we were on the cusp of was just kind of dashed a little with this match or delayed a little with this match. It's not the end for her or her positive run or anything in AEW, but it's just incredibly frustrating when you've had such a long-term investment in her like we yeah. have, and we see her incredible win streak, and it just kind of means nothing. And I have a
5: a counter argument because my first reaction to this was, I can't wait to see how she bounces back from this. Mm -hmm. Like, so, you know, I I, I didn't want to derail your thought, but that was my first reaction when I saw this loss and that it was Thunder Rosa that took it. So sorry, keep going. I just wanted to throw that perspective out there.
2: Yeah. And my, my other theory on this was we've seen Rosa be almost unbeatable in AEW like she racks up the wins everywhere and uh, I believe she's only had one or two losses I believe just one but it might be two and but when back in the they're, they're obviously building towards the TBS title for the women yeah. and back in the Attitude Era in WWF it was kind of set up where the Rock couldn't beat Stone Cold Steve Austin but mankind could And The Rock could beat Mankind, and Stone Cold could beat The Rock. And this way, there was always somebody that could challenge the top person, even if the average person wasn't a threat. And if they're building to something like that, I'm excited there, because Britt Baker, I feel, would be the other person in that trio right now for AEW. And I get the Fight Forever vibes, like the, you know... The Stone Cold Mankind, just like I mentioned, or Undertaker Mankind. I get those vibes from Rosa, Britt Baker. Like, I just want to see them be long-term foils for each other. So I'm hoping that's kind of what it's building towards. It'll be interesting. Like Brendan said, sometimes Thunder Rosa's best work comes after a loss like this. We've seen it happen before. It'll be interesting to see how she kind of gets that mystique back about her after the loss, too. There's a lot to gain there. Also on Rampage, we had Jack Evans versus Orange Cassidy and a hair versus hair, a poistis match on national TV. Yes. Like, so cool. (laughs) (laughs) It felt like a foregone conclusion that Cassidy was winning the match. He obviously has the strongest momentum and the least hair to lose. But the fun (laughs) was all in how we were going to get there, like how he was going to win. It's also, I really enjoyed seeing Orange Cassidy a little lower on the card. I enjoy his work, and I enjoy his gimmick, but I feel like his work is best in small doses and against people a little lower on the card. It's just more believable and entertaining to me as, as like, a fan. As a main event talent, I feel like he wears thin. I wasn't a big fan of the Mimosa match that he had with Chris Jericho, but smaller... (laughs) more focused doses like this, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he really shined. Jack Evans was great in this match. He's a treasure. I hope we get to see more of him and his new haircut in the future. (laughs) He's finally (laughs) regaining some of that momentum and some of that focus that he lost after that match with Kenny Omega. He got blown up and he kind of blew the match. And, you know, he's finally, like, TH2 have really been strong. He's tied up with Matt Hardy and the Hardy family office now, getting kind of, you know, good optics. And, they, he, you know, he's been doing amazing work. TH2's been doing amazing work. He's been improving every week. And he's kind of back to being the Jack Evans we all know and love. Like, it took a while to get there, but we're back. The Orange Punch got Cassidy the pin on Evans and nine minutes and five seconds, which interestingly enough was the exact same time to the second of the women's triple threat match in the show. Mm-hmm. I don't, don't know if that's their sweet spot is like nine minutes and five seconds on Rampage, but there you go. Later we had dark elevation on Monday. Santana and Ortiz defeated Kodama and Oberion in a 1 minute and 48 second squash, which saw Proud and Powerful using the double team flipping face buster to get the pin. Proud and Powerful are currently unranked. But they're getting the wins. We've seen this work for Thunder Rosa. We've seen it work for Sheeta. They're dark, dark elevation. You quietly build up a lot of wins. It's easy to get two, three wins in a couple weeks on these two programs and then move up the rankings. And I would really like to see them challenge the Lucha Bros for the tag team titles. Mm -hmm. The AEW tag team titles, I should specify. We'll get to that here shortly. But... I I think that's what this is going towards. I think we're beginning to see the the road to their climbing of the rankings and challenging for the titles. I'm all here for that. And then on Wednesday night, we had Dynamite ladder match. The Andrade and his feud with Pac continues. Despite not winning, he and Pack showed obvious in-character tension and their interactions were really the highlight of the match to me. The Joker that returned in the latter match was a triumphantly returning Mr. Hangman Adam Page. He looked a little bit like a Las Vegas cowboy. He had on <laughs> glittery fringy western tights. He picked up the win and the chance to challenge Kenny Omega. For the AEW Heavyweight Championship. But during the match, there were some rumors as of recording time that Andrade was injured. I'm not sure if it was in kayfabe. The last ladder bump in the match looked really nasty. There were instant welts on Andrade's back after the impact with the ladder. We didn't really see Andrade after that on the match, or after that in the match. After that, he went on Twitter and complained that Pac had hurt him. ...and injured him on the program. He would be back, however. So, we'll see what happens. Also, after Dynamite, at the Rampage tapings that will air on October the 8th... uh, ...that's before our recording time. I haven't seen it yet. But the Lucha Bros had a tag team title match against the Acclaim... ...that I understand was fantastic. I am very excited to see this match. We will be covering it next week. We'll have all that news for you. But also, we had a lot of discussion this week about Andrade. I mentioned we'd get to this, the tag (laughs) titles. So, last week on Dynamite, he mentioned that he had a couple of friends that might want to challenge the Lucha Bros for the AAA tag titles. And, you know, there were a lot of you know, speculations going on. This weekend is Heroes in Mortales for AAA, and the Lucha Bros are in a tag title match against Los Hinetes de la and we could see – that's Laredo Kid, Io Del Vichinko. I don't necessarily think we see the title change to Heroes in Mortales now because of the mm. the talk on Dynamite – But I do think maybe we could see Laredo and Vikingo on Dynamite, or at least AEW programming, maybe Rampage. Cubs fan who does the LuchaBlog.com, he had some ideas. His final feeling was that Andrade was friends with the Good Brothers and that they would be the challengers to the title. But also, with Andrade, you can't ignore the Ingo Bernabeu thing. You know, could Mm -hmm. we see, you know, Dragon Lee? You know, who do we see? Does somebody else come from Ring of Honor? That
5: that gets tricky. I just want to, since I've been looking a lot at that, that does get tricky because Ring of Honor has a TV deal as well.
2: Exactly. standard
5: AEW contracts do not let you... Do two deals unless it's part of this forbidden door nonsense, which R O H and I I, I mean i s- nonsense in the most affectionate way, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, which R O H is not actively participating in, so um, I've been thinking about that too. But uh, it, right. it's a it's a big ask, but not mm-hmm. it's not impossible.
2: And and then my personal theory, my favorite theory right now, oh. is we've seen some invo- involvement from Conan. With Andrade. Yeah. So yep. we've seen Well,
4: you know, he's gonna have to accompany somebody down the ring. Yeah, exactly. Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah. And we've you know, we've seen some MLW people show up True. in AEW. I think I see so, where you're going with this. So what <laughs> if we could get Danny Rivera slide it one? is. What uh, if we get fifty one fifty? I'm I I mean, Like, we've seen a history of Danny yeah. Limelight in AEW. He, he was obviously somebody AEW thought very highly of. He works their style. He knows their people. He understands what's going on. And if they wanted something fresh and exciting, they've given him enough time away from AEW to truly be a shock. And coming back saw, at
5: 5150 with a much different attitude than yeah, yeah. what we saw yes. in guys.
4: I mean, you, you heard yeah. him. He's looking for all the gold everywhere.
2: Yep. Exactly. And he didn't hint at anything in particular. Yeah. But, we've seen, like I said, we've seen Conan with Andrade. The challengers for the AAA titles. We've seen, I mean, I feel like this is a perfect fit. It helps bridge so many of Conan's involvements and interest it would make sense of things i honestly think for a while they were building towards rick flair as the mouthpiece for andrade but it looks like that won't happen anytime soon and so why not conan i mean conan can talk and he's got such a cool look and even at his age he looks like he could kick your ass like oh, yeah. he's a yeah. tough dude and <laughs>
0: You know, yep. like,
2: he, to have somebody at ringside like that that could throw a legitimate knockout punch, I mean, like, it's a very cool, that's, that's my personal want, that's what I would like to see. I honestly don't know what's the most likely, but like I say, we've seen a lot where it could be 5150, and, you know, if it happens, you heard it here first, I would love for that to be <laughs> how it goes. It should be... Who challenges for the AAA titles? That would be great. I feel like the Good Brothers at this point would be such a letdown, and I don't necessarily care who it is as long as it's lucha related. That's obviously my want, but also the AAA tag titles. Like we need to.
5: There is a situation with where I think the Good Brothers would be good, and that is if the Good Brothers went down to Mexico. Because that puts international eyes on those mm-hmm. AAA tag titles. Yeah. But if it's just going to be on a Rampage episode, or worse yet, an Impact episode, I mean, again, not bad on Impact, just that I can't find them on TV easily. Right. It it doesn't do the intended thing. That's yeah. that's you know it would be a great match and I would hunt it down, but it's uh it's hard it, it's harder to get eyes to get international eyes on the show like Impact at this moment.
2: There's just so much possible. That's kind of the secret of AEW in a way. There's so much that could go on, and and you're like, this could happen. This could happen. And everything you think of is exciting, and they'll find a way to get there that's at least as exciting as what you've thought of. But I. Like we've mentioned, I, and, and I agree with Brendan, unless it's Mexico, the good brothers don't make a whole lot of sense. Kenny and the good brothers in Mexico, and uh, you know, titles versus titles match to some degree, you know, like, that would yeah. be cool, you know, if they could get a, you know, um you know, maybe, Uh, Vikingo challenges Kenny, and uh, I don't know. We'll figure something out. Now we're in
5: fantasy booking. Yeah, yeah. We can go on that uh, on fantasy (laughs) booking all night long, though. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, there's a lot to discuss, to lots lot to dream about, a lot of possibilities. But for all the AEW news, including Rampage, Dynamite, Dark, Dark Elevation, the Lucha Bros, what goes on with those tag titles, Andrade, and so much more, check out LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre.
4: Well... We were just talking uh, about this promotion and the possibilities MLW had a big week. Of course, you had Fusion Alpha on Wednesday, but the big show Fightland happened on Thursday uh on Vice TV, and we had a very exclusive press conference with Court Bauer himself. So before we get into that, let's start at the beginning with Fusion Alpha, and huh, Weren't we just talking about these guys, LAX 5150. <laughs> we love them. Right there. Just right there. <laughs> We're in a match against Injustice. And this has been actually brewing for quite some time um, since LAX 5150 has come uh to MLW. And, you know, we'll use 5150 interchangeably with LAX. I, I, I feel like we still are getting some mixed messages as, you know, how to exactly pronounce this faction name. So for short, we're just going to go with 5150. Uh but I would consider it a new iteration of LAX if we're going to get technical over here. Um, but we did have a tag match with Rivera and Slice Boogie. They were accompanied to the ring by Conan and Julia Smokes um against injustices, Myron Reed and Jordan Oliver. Um now a lot of this match I mean Rivera really made his presence known um in this match with a lot back and forth with Jordan Oliver. Um and Myron Reed came out to to help his partner a few times. Um but uh you know you had interference from Slice, and ultimately we had some interference from Julius Smokes, who ended up using as we would later find out a rock within his uh you know sock, but it looked like a slapjack at one point to hit um Jordan Oliver over the head, and Rivera pinned him after that well fifty one fifty just went crazy, they attacked injustice, they attacked referees and ultimately ended up spray painting an L on the back of Jordan Oliver in short for LAX. They also cut a promo later on in the night, um pretty much just, you know, uh stating the obvious that they are here to win the gold, they're out here to prove a point, they want to capture Cesar Duran's attention, um and they are going to stop no- at nothing. They're they're going to uh, do this in a very ruthless manner. Um, so, you know, this was a truly aggressive match from both sides, but especially fifty-one fifty. Um, and I think this format that they're in in MLW is perfect for the intentions that they have, and they could be real threats to the MLW tag team titles. Um, you know, we were talking with Rivera about that as far as, you know, um, Facing Los Parks at one point, and how dangerous that can be, um and sure enough, you know he was not intimidated in the least bit, so what we saw this week on Fusion Alpha just confirmed that him and Slice are certainly ready for the future. um also on uh, Alpha Fusion, we had Matt Cross face tattoo for the MLW heavyweight uh, championship. And this was a really good match. I mean, we haven't seen Matt Cross, at least on a televised ring, in quite some time. Um, but this match started off, the way that it would make sense was Matt Cross really trying to use his speed to his advantage to really get that up and going. Um, he had a big forearm um, and a suicide dive at the beginning. However, that time outside of the ring, Fatu used to his advantage to take control and he utilized his strength um, to beat up on Matt Cross. However, um there was at one point where Fatu was about to send Matt Cross into the ring post, but Cross was able to push out of the way and have Fatu run into the ring post. Um and then he did Matt Cross did an awesome cartwheel off the top rope, uh, but Fatu uh, got to him with a drop kick. Now commentary was really playing up as far as, you know, how unpredictable the results of this match could be because of the way that these were set up. Uh, Alpha Fusion aired on Wednesday with Fightland airing on Thursday with the implications, you know, that the next night was Fatu's big match with Hammerstone. But would that happen if he could get through Matt Cross? Um, you know, Fatu took control of most of the match afterwards, um, but he made a, Cross made a comeback with some big kicks and a really great spore, springboard forearm. Um and then he also performed a standing moonsault, uh, that had a very, very close near fall. Um and then, uh, a short while afterward, Matt Cross did another suicide dive, dive out, but in this time to Joseph Samael, who was really very active and vocal throughout the entire match. Uh, but ultimately uh Fatou won with that jumping moonsault on Matt Cross to retain the MLW World Championship. So this was a great match. I thought that the fact that Matt Cross got this high, much of a high-profile match um, to, you know, start off with his tenure in MLW was great. Um, and I think he's someone, too, that talk about fusion of styles. Matt Cross could literally wrestle any style. But you saw some of the hints of Lucha libre in this match. Um, I do want to jump into I'm gonna go maybe not out of order, but I guess some of the order of these things happening. Um is uh Court Bauer did a press conference earlier this week and with that uh myself and Brendan were on that call um being able to listen to uh you know Court's thoughts about MLW's growth, fight um, Fightland, of course, happening on Thursday on Vice TV, um, and even, you know, anywhere from the talent on, on the MLW roster to the possibility of a full woman show happening, uh, but I got the opportunity to ask Court, uh, about his relationship with AAA in Mexico, specifically referencing the Triple A show, the show that happened in conjunction with Triple A last year, right before the pandemic, and if MLW has any intentions of working with other promotions, we talked about that Forbidden Door in the future. Here is uh what Court Bauer's thoughts were on just that.
1: Those are some good questions. So. Yeah, the last show we did before the shutdown was in Mexico and it was the only show I actually missed because I was negotiating back here for our deal with the zone. So it's the first and only show I really missed and it was weird because I was directing it remotely and the big concern was just you know the NBA had just shut down that morning and the world was changing rapidly and we were just like really concerned about how things were playing out and in talking with the, the local authorities in, in in Tijuana we felt okay we can we can pull this off. We thought the time maybe we'll have to shut down for, what, four to six weeks. Maybe then, you know, after that we were thinking maybe 12 weeks, 18 weeks, and then the whole world changed. Uh, but we really enjoyed our shows in, in Mexico, and Tijuana was a really fun event for us. And I think we're definitely going to be doing another one. Whether we get it in this year or, or not, I don't know. We have plans. We have something penciled in that could happen in uh, a Latin American country in December. But a lot of it hinges on, can we get in the country? What is the conditions of that country? And, and kind of we have a short runway to make that decision now. We've been looking at it for a while, but like with anything with COVID, you're going to have to get really close and almost to that one yard line before you make the decision on it. If not, we're going to be doing definitely stuff in the future in 2022 in Mexico and other countries. Latin America to me, in terms of my strategy is the next big, the big moment for the company because strategically, That's where I have the advantage. That's where I can tap into something, and I think I can counterpunch two billionaires by going into Latin America because I have a little bit more experience in that in that lane than they do from working in Mexico, working on projects stateside, and seeing what meshed and what didn't. And you know, we really kind of stumbled onto something when we had uh, our Spanish feed on Bien Espanol here in the states, where we saw a large amount of viewers watching us in Spanish. Before or after soccer games and find us. And so we found first, second generation Mexican Americans that weren't uh, aware of MLW, but liking MLW because they got to see guys like LA Park, Conan and a new generation of guys at the time, like the Lucha brothers, or nowadays they have Erez and Anamis. So they're seeing these guys and it's a piece of the homeland and it's authentic. And we're just going to, we want to build that out. That's a big long-term plan for us to just build out uh, our presence in Latin America, but also in terms of Spanish language, whether it's streaming rights, linear rights here in the U.S., that's a very big focus for me. Uh, as for the uh, the different doors internationally and working with different promotions, stateside or abroad, um, it's funny. I was talking to one of our guys, I think it was Calvin Tank, and I said, you know, really unique environment we have here this weekend. This is on Saturday night. I said, you know, 10 feet over there. That's that's the booker of IWA Puerto Rico, Salvio Vega. And 10 feet over there, we got the booker for AAA Conan. And, and five feet over there at Catering, uh, you know, you have the booker for All Japan in Tajiri. You know, just to have them a few feet away from you, have access to open doors and do different things and, and, and trade talent. Uh, that's very special. And for our talent, I think that makes us so unique is that you have those doors open. we want our talent to get the reps in. We want them to have that experience. And we'd love to air those matches. We want to put on TV a match from Japan, a match from Puerto Rico, matches from Mexico. It's, it's such a different atmosphere. It's so exciting to me. Uh, so we want to do more of that. And we would love to have their talent. We're talking right now with different offices about bringing their talent in uh and doing some international title matches. So there'll be more on that, I think, actually on Fightland this week. When you tune in, the news segment might break some news on that. Uh, as for domestic you know, partnerships and collaborations, that's where it gets a little tricky because – um, you know, we've had talks and, and people probably are aware we talked with WWE earlier this year. And you, know, you have these conversations, you try to see how it would work. And the biggest concern you have, at least for me, is you're kind of inviting tortious interference and allowing it to happen if you go down that road. And if you don't feel like you're getting enough in return to even take that risk, what are you doing? What's the what's the strategy there? uh so it can be very complicated whether it's you know a WWE or another company uh it can be it can be risky because often the talent then when they come through you're not going to now be able to control the creative force and this these guys that you spent a lot of time building up are now really not in your system and now if they're main event stars in MLW but they go over there for a cameo and they're not treated like top guys now your fans, you're doing a disservice to them and your fans that have invested in them in their journey. So it's a really delicate thing and every, every conversation with every company is different. Uh, so it's a bit of a dance and, and it's, sometimes it is the forbidden dance.
4: So there you have it. Court Bowers thoughts on pretty much everything. So first let's break that down. Returning to Mexico. CORE and MLW do have intentions to return to Mexico anytime as soon as the end of this year, but more likely into 2022. Um, so that is great for uh, fans in Mexico that they're going to have MLW coming back. Um, that also means a great opportunity for them to partner with Lucha Promotions, whether that be AAA or possibly other promotions to showcase Lucha Libre talent. And, you know, as far as his response to working with other promotions, we talked about it just earlier as far as, you know, whenever you see promotions working together and exchanging of talent, what is that ROI? And I thought Court really talked about that beautifully. What is the return on investment whenever you are working with another promotion? And we've seen this happen in multiple ways, especially with AEW where the partnership with New Japan has made sense because then you have New Japan talent on U.S. television and you're expanding that fan base. Um, but in the same token, you see what happened with their relationship with Impact, and it felt like Impact was, you know, the little brother in all of this. And they didn't get quite nearly the talent exchange that, um, you know, opportunities to, to have their talent on uh Impact or AW television that – you know they they should have had i think as far as the exchange especially since they had Kenny Omega as their world champion for several several months um so i just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on Court's uh you know comments on you know the relationship with um Uh, Mexico and possibly returning. But also throughout that press conference really talked about Lucha Libre being a focal point of MLW. He also talked about MLW's kind of next immediate plans are to expand into Latin America and have more luchadors, but also more international talent. He did talk about the fact that with MLW, just backstage at Fightland, he had, you know, Savio Vega and Tajiri um, as, you know, international bookers. Um, you have, you know, people who work all throughout the United States as well. You have just a variety of people in different roles all together at a hub of MLW. So his also utilization of a forbidden door looks somewhat different, but also seems to work really well with MLW.
5: So I was super excited by him stating outright that his intention is to move into Latin America, to, to have a bigger presence there. Like we've heard rumors about other promotions trying. We also see other promotions that are making moves in North America, but not in in uh Mexico or South America, which seeing as wrestling as a culture down there, that just seems backward to me. So, uh, but at the same time, I'm glad that it's an MLW that's doing it because they seem to have, uh, a real awareness of what Lucha looks like and how important it is and, and seem to treat it well when they put it in their product. Uh, so that was my big takeaway was his, his respect on that. And then, uh, to your, to your point, he also seemed to very, uh, have a very astute awareness of uh return on investment for both sides like he's which again puts us back we were just talking in a previous segment about the difference that having the good brothers in an American promotion versus going to Mexico would have and that's that return on investment too so yeah that's where I was at with it I I don't know if, if Dusty got a chance to listen to that but if you Have any thoughts based on what we've said, Dusty? Give us a Um, a little bit. I haven't
2: had a chance to listen, but I I, I do have some thoughts. Uh, (laughs) Way back in the day when tape trading was a thing – Oh, yeah. well, I would look for names that I recognized with wrestling programs. I'd be like, oh, there's Rey Mysterio in Japan. I want that. And, and that's easy to do. And MLW have done such a fantastic job of gathering names globally that anywhere they go, there's names people would recognize and be like, oh, I want to see that. You know, I know who Aries is. I know who – you know, Conan is, I know, you know, it's whoever, and, and so I feel like their ability to reach an international audience in that way is almost unparalleled, because they, they have so many international wrestlers, and just that name brand recognition can bring so many eyes on the talent and on the show, compared to... I mean, like, I think that's the biggest stumbling block for Lucha and Japanese wrestling to a lot of American fans, is that there's Mm -hmm. nobody they know right when they first start to watch it. And so to have people, yeah, to have people that, (laughs) even if you don't know the name, you recognize the style. People in Mexico will always recognize Lucha style. Japanese Mm -hmm. people will always recognize Japanese style. And... So on, so to have the kind of the British style, the Japanese strong style, the lucha, the American style to have it all come in, and they 've even got some wrestling, and they're you know I mean like they 've got the whole thing, and the ability to tie that in and make an international product, I think is going to make them very special, yeah. and there 's something for everyone, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, which hasn 't really been done before, and I like that.
4: Yeah, I I think it's a really unique, but also a a way to kind of leverage your strengths. Um, And again, Court even talked about his strengths and background in working with AAA, working with WWE, and how he leverages that in the way that he formats and you know structures m l w and how, but also being very aware you know of the landscape of wrestling now has changed and evolved, and what they're trying to do to be different um from that and it's anywhere from the way that they are working and, and doing more outreach to the media to new segments that they included tonight um, on um, Fightland with embedded um, a new format of you know having. <laughs> um more conversation around wrestling um, in the show. And then also just again, who they're looking at and signing. And again, that emphasis on, on lucha talent and appreciation. And we didn't get a whole lot of information as far as, you know, uh, lucha underground, I'm sorry, gonna say lucha underground, Azteca underground. You know, we don't really know that much more about how, you know, long term and big picture it's being incorporated outside of what we see right now. But even that, you know, his experience being a consultant for Lucha Underground, I mean, was likely one of the reasons why we have Azteca Underground right now in the format that we see in MLW. So, yeah. um, I, I think it's it's really intriguing, but also something that's very refreshing and for again as as. As we have this focus on Lucha Libre, not only on the show, but as part of luchacentral.com and really trying, you know, we, we know how challenging it is to bring it to a U.S. audience. Um, and also in turn have a Latin American audience turn into a U.S. product. You know, MLW is trying to do both. Um, and, and seems to have long-term plans to do a lot of that crossover. They do
5: have, have a lot of plans. Uh, I think they're still being cagey with, uh, with Azteca underground because they can't go into Mexico full force mm-hmm. right now among other reasons. But I think like that one major stopping point alone is enough to be kind of cagey with your details. Cause you know, you can have a uh, court Bauer clearly has a big vision, but if he can't execute on what his vision is, he has to figure out how he's going to revise that and putting out details before that has happened is, is a, uh, not necessarily the best move. So
4: Fair enough. So real quick, again, Fightland Thursday on Vice TV at ten PM. Um it's happening actually as we are recording this. So. It
5: is lighting up social media right now. Lighting it oh. like there are clips everywhere. I'm yeah. I'm uh well uh well you guys are talking, I've been watching the Twitters and that's all they're talking about right now. Especially that four man match with uh with uh with Aries and Aramis in it, they're they're just going crazy on it. Yes,
4: yeah. So for Fightland there are two matches uh being uh seen or gonna or air as part of Fightland. Of course you have the title versus title match. World heavyweight champion Jacob Batu versus national openweight champion, Alex Hammerstone, and the four way for the middleweight championship, Myron Reed versus Tajiri versus Addis versus Adamis. Now because we know the results of this, we are going to spoil it, but even it, though you're gonna be listening to in the future, it's not a spoiler, even though it happened in the past.
5: It's already happened as of now. They've uh the, the results that we did the last result that we I just saw it, so we okay. are more than three. So
4: with that, we do have a new world middleweight champion in Tajiri. Um, which I definitely would think is a bit of a surprise, but in, in some ways it's not. Um, uh, because, you know, the, the amount of experience he has is probably more combined, uh, than uh, the competitors in that ring. And he's probably wrestled in more countries, uh, and had more matches than all the competitors combined in that match. So, it isn't that surprising. But, Brendan, you had some interesting, you know, uh, observations about this match.
5: Well, so, uh, first off, it is, uh, it is my pick of the, the two matches we got. Hammerstone and Fatou is really good for, for what it is, and I enjoyed the heck out of it, but as a Lucha fan, I got a lot of what I wanted out of this match. Myron Reed can work Lucha, uh, Ares and Aramis did obviously work Lucha, and we're going to talk more about this, but Tajiri has worked with famously with uh, with luchador. So, uh, they, you know, you got a lot of what you're looking for out of this. Uh, they they uh, separated a lot and did things. And to me, the things that stood out were the times where Ares and Aramis were in the ring together. They uh, have a great chemistry, which is probably because they've worked together in a number of companies and came up in the same promotions in Mexico together uh and they very much are giving me uh, the the vibes and seeing them in the ring made me realize this seeing them in the ring with Tajiri made me realize they're giving very much uh super crazy Tajiri vibes so they are uh uh they're on pace to do some really big things we will talk more about that later in the show spoilers but uh just in general the 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 way that they work together the smoothness and the styles the way they they work and even the if the visual imagery. I I just really appreciate the two of them together in a kind of super crazy tajiri way. So yeah. if you guys are fans of that, then de- definitely check this match out.
4: Well with that we are gonna then uh just share that of course Alexander Hammerstone did win the title versus title match and he is now your new MLW uh world champion. A uh, big congratulations to him. This is something yeah. that obviously has been in the works for quite some time. Um, It seemed like the pandemic did end it up uh, altering plans, but it seems like this was, you know, what was meant to be. So a big congratulations to him, to MLW uh for uh the results of Fightland. Mm-hmm. And we still have more content that we're going to get from Fusion Alpha um over the next few weeks. So make sure you stay tuned to the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast each and every week to get your MLW news. But with that, we're going to move forward with... This Week in Lucha Libre History with oh. Dusty.
5: Oh, I didn't realize it was like that. Cool.
4: <laughs> it, I mean, I wasn't going to just, I, I was going to let Dusty you know, <laughs> he can, he can mention it, but, yeah, surprise, we're here. <laughs> Do we have Dusty? We yes, sorry, Dusty
2: my, my mute button was on the spray my cats would make noise. It's <laughs> time for this week in lucha libre history be sure to check in at dot com every single day for this day and lucha libre by pep carrera for information birth dates anniversaries matches of the day amazing videos and even more and it's all about lucha libre and it's at dot com. your centralized place for all things lucha libre and uh, we kind of hinted towards it this week We chose the match of the day for October the 8th, which was super crazy versus Tajiri at the first ever IWA Junior Heavyweight Championship tournament on May 21st, 1999. The IWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship was a title for wrestlers that weighed 225 pounds or under, and it was defended in the International Wrestling Association in Puerto Rico. Super Crazy and Tajiri, they had been tearing it up all over the planet together at this point, including some really legendary matches in ECW, and 1999 was just their year. Their fluid dynamics and their familiarity with each other led to some fantastic matches, some familiar spots, but first we'll get to the tournament. The competitors in this tournament were stacked. The, the 1999 tournament saw Super Crazy, Tajiri, Christopher Daniels, Mr. Aguila, Black Scorpion, Danny Boy, Pablo Marquez, Pepe Prado, Reckless Youth, Taka Michinoku, Alexander Atsuka, The Great Sasuke, Tiger Mask Four, and on loan from WWF in the middle of the feud with the Brood, Jeff Hardy, who lost in the first round to Super Crazy, like as that, he should. Yeah. <laughs> That's like nineteen ninety nine Jeff Hardy losing to Super Crazy was wild. Like that they mentioned it on commentary during the match. It was a big deal. And this week's choice the match we chose was the semifinals of the tournament. After Super Crazy had beaten Jeff Hardy and Tajiri had beaten Black Scorpion, they were both given a bye from the first round into the semifinals. Uh, This match was awesome. It would see Tajiri beat Super Crazy. They hit a lot of their signature spots, including the synchronized kip-up that I always enjoyed. Before Tajiri, he won this match. He would lose the tournament to eventual winner, Mr. Aguila, in the finals. You may know Mr. Aguila as Essa Rios. Or maybe Poppy Chulo. I mean, he—he's the guy. He's got a long pedigree. Go ahead, Brandon. I,
5: I gotta—I gotta correct you on this because this is a Mass Republic sponsored show. That is Legends of Lucha Libre superstar, Mister Aguila.
2: Oh. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, he And if that doesn't give you the sign, I mean, he absolutely has a long lucha pedigree. He's been a triple-A heavyweight champion. He was the CMLL trios champion, the Mexican Nationals trios champion. Uh He was part of the winning team from Mexico in the 2004 TNA America's X Cup tournament. He's a very important guy. And yeah, it was just cool. A lot of lucha action in this match. Cool to see a lot of lucha action in Puerto Rico for a change. Uh what did you think of this match, Brendan?
5: Well, uh, as uh we you the listeners probably gathered. I was focusing in a lot more on the the, the magic of the Tajiri Super Crazy Feud mm-hmm. as a Super Crazy fan. In particular, uh, this this was uh, something that I I was happy to look back on. You mentioned 1999 was their year, but like you didn't that doesn't do it justice. Like the first half of the year, they were breaking out in ECW. Like they were when we talk about legendary Lucha Libre matches happening in ECW, a lot of people immediately go to Rey Mysterio and psicosis, but this was the next wave of that, that they were right in that wave and, and they didn't let I didn't let down. I think they actually might've stepped up the bar a little bit, making it really hard to do yes. extreme Lucha Libre in ECW for the next wave of guys. Who, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um. Yeah.
2: They're incredible together. And I, yeah, Next Wave, like you mentioned. If you haven't seen it, you really need to check it out. The stuff they did, like, still, how how would you follow it? Like, it's yeah. just incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it feels as fresh now as it did 22 years mm-hmm. ago.
5: And then they revisited that again uh, when they went to WWE. So if you are not inside the United States, and you can use the app the proper way. You can just go on the app and and search up all their matches, or I'm sure you can still find them with a little more work. But uh, all three iterations, like them in the indies, them in ECW, them in in WWE, all captures magic. They always bring something new. They, uh, They recently got rebooked in a in an indie promotion somewhere, and I watched it you know, and sometimes you don't want to see aging legends reliving their their seminal feuds, but they still seem to bring new magic to it, and that was what this match did for me is it brought back that feeling of like ah, just how incredible it was to to live through this feud coming up and going around and and that's part of like that's probably why, in my mind, the Ares and Aramis. People look more like work, looked more like that because I've been watching that. So in fairness, other people are probably look at it and go, I don't see anything like that. And you're right. Also, uh, Miranda, where, where were your thoughts on this one?
4: I mean, this was definitely one of my favorite matches of the days or just matches that we've seen. Um, and i think it was for, for uh, mul- multiple reasons but one as far as the match as, as far as the chemistry is really really strong between the two where at moments you could tell like they were reading each other's minds um i think when they both kind of just popped right back up after uh you know uh, going through a sequence together in sync was magic and the ability where they could be in a moment and just doing a headlock and then jump right into kind of a fast-paced sequence and then slow it down again, you know, super crazy getting out of the ring to slow. Like, they really had a pace that made you just want to watch. You know, they could go fast and then take a moment, and everyone can kind of recollect, you know, their thoughts, and then they can go right back into it. And, I mean, the timing of of a lot of things in their match was really really well done for my taste. Um and Tajiri especially is so hard hitting in his moves. I remember seeing that drop kick right into the, the middle of uh, Super Crazy's knees and how it just took him down and then Super Crazy kind of dragged himself uh by his arms like he couldn't use his legs cuz they, you know, looked like they were just he couldn't even use them. Like he couldn't even stand up on them or anything. So I think that also the attention to detail, but also the the quickness of moves, the preciseness of moves was just, you know, like a clinic. And you're right, like this match, and I think their feud in general just elevated cruiserweight level feuds to a whole new level, Um and I think that this match in particular is one that you watch and I think people would just study for, for a variety of reasons, whether it's moves, whether it's psychology, um, whether it's, you know, just interaction with opponents, uh, crowd, the crowd reaction was very strong, consistent throughout the entire, uh, match. So, I mean, this, I just really liked this match. It kept my attention the entire time. It really was so well paced and a lot of, you know, strong moves that that they both really sold beautifully, and I don't even know how much they had to sell because a lot of those look painful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I,
2: I can tell you from
5: being around Super Crazy a lot that yeah, it's not hard to sell for him. Like yeah. he's
1: he's,
5: <laughs> he's snug, I believe is the term they yeah. use.
4: And almost the thing. So this match happened, you know. Now, twenty two years ago, if my math is right, and and now Tajiri is the MLW Middleweight Champion, so it's almost. And as you talked to, you said too, Brendan, you know they were recently in a match, and and this was them twenty years ago, and they're still right. doing it.
5: Yeah, yeah, and you're still getting something new and and quality out of it. Like you may not be getting all of the suicide dives anymore but you don't you don't find yourself missing that because they're doing new stuff and that chemistry is still there and that's that's important
4: so definitely a, a great match to watch
2: yeah absolutely
4: And that was this week in Lucha Libre History. Don't forget to check out LuchaCentral.com to catch this day in Lucha Lucha Libre History. But wait, there's more. Yes, so much more. Brendan, can you tell our (laughs) listeners what else they can find on LuchaCentral.com?
5: All right. So if if you're listening to this and you haven't visited LuchaCentral.com, it really is time to do it. LuchaCentral.com is the online home for Lucha Libre where you can get all of the top news in English and in Spanish. Find the best curated video content and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your area. Find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world. A place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards. Seen and read by top executives in all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And on top of all of this, it's still free. It's always going to be free. com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre.
4: There you go. Now we got, I wouldn't say some quick hits because some of these are going to take longer than others, but we got <laughs> a whole lot of other promotions to cover in the second half of the show. First off, this is going to be a fairly quick hit. Um, NWA Power this week had the very first ever Lucha Scramble match. This was a tag team match where La Rebellion defended their belts against the Ill Begotten and Marshall Rocket and Slice Boogie. So uh, that happened on power. We got to see La Rebellion uh, for the first time in quite some time, um, I believe, since they've won the NWA Tag Team Championship. So um, it's great that they're continuing to bring that Lucha Libre presence um, on NWA television to the point where we had our first Lucha Scramble match. So if yeah. you're interested in watching that, make sure to check out NWA Power. I believe it is on Fight TV um, so you can get access to that episode um and watch Love Rebellion defend their belts. Also a shout out to Slice Boogie um on there too. He's had a busy week uh with MLW and so the fact that uh, he was able to be in this match too uh against two other tag teams is a pretty big accomplishment. So shout out to him um and uh, congratulations once again to your still NWA Tag Team Champions, La Rebellion.
5: Yeah, Slice is just like Danny. He's hustling and working everywhere, and he made the most of this downtime. Sorry, I just needed to no, no, no. Throw my Ab- appreciation in there.
4: Absolutely right. Period. <laughs> uh, up next, uh, Brendan, uh, speaking of you, have some uh, ROH uh, updates.
5: Indeed. So I'm going to start with TV. Uh, on TV we had two things that are kind of lucha centric Roxy came out in the middle to, uh, basically address, you know, it is a customary thing. New champions tend to come out in the middle of the ring and state their, their purpose. And Roxy seemed very, uh, gracious and seemed very much to set up a, a notion that she is going to be a fighting kind of more, shall we say, baby face to use the, an industry term champion. She's definitely, uh, 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 said something to the effect of wanting to take on all contenders, which brought out pretty much the entire women's roster. Uh, they all challenged her and that resulted in, uh, we're going to have a series of matches. We're going to have two, three woman matches. And the, uh, the winner of each of those is going to go to the go home show before the, uh, now I want to make sure I have the right one because Ring of Honor has very similarly named pay-per-views. That is true. Uh, <laughs> uh, where did we, uh, during the, uh, to face each other at final battle. So, so they, the go home show to final battle we'll have the winner of the two, three women matches. And then the, the winner of that match will face Roxy at final battle. Uh, so the people that were out there were you know, like the allure uh, Miranda Alizé, who uh, obviously on this show, we, we want to see more of those two wrestle uh, and, and a few, few of the others. Uh, the, I mean, basically, like I said, the, the whole roster, they haven't given us the six woman breakdown or the, the six women's individual matches yet, so I'll be covering that more. Then they went to a commercial, and they came back from a commercial, and they showed us highlights of Miranda or Roxy leaving the ring, and Miranda Alizé decided it wasn't enough to have just come out and make her public claim to the title. She uh knocked Roxy down on the ramp and gave her the boots. So, uh we're going to hopefully see more of that program. We also got uh, Quinn McKay to come out and make the save, which makes me think we're going to see uh, Miranda Alizé and Quinn McKay in the upcoming weeks on television as well. So sounds like we're going to have lots of lucha representation in the women's division on TV in the near future.
4: I uh, I do want to add something real quick too as far as an interesting backstage segment that happened um that is also somewhat lucha centric. Miranda Alize uh was cutting a promo in the back after she uh attacked Roxy and Amy Rose came and approached her about possibly right. uh, uh having some business together. Amy Rose, the former manager of La Faccion and um and so Uh, You know, she definitely knows business. She definitely knows, you know, how to, uh, manage people and she is currently the manager for Maxi Impaler. So if she is now Mm -hmm. taking her managerial skills to different heights, um, we could see that as far as you know, you talked about the run in from Quinn McKay to help Roxy. Uh maybe that's where Miranda Alize gets some help with, you know, either Amy Rose or Maxi Impaler.
5: I would I can definitely foresee a possibility of the of a tag team match with those four women with Max and, and, uh, Miranda on one side and Roxy and, and, uh, Quinn McKay on the other side. So you are absolutely right. Amy Rose, for those of you who were keeping score was also, uh, an LFI manager. And yes. so very much when, when she was there, they had all the gold. So yep. in addition to, being very lucha-centric and, uh, of Hispanic descent, which is important to ROH right now, uh, we'll, I'll go over that in a second, uh, she's also very successful, so there could be a way to kind of elevate Miranda Alizé into that main event picture on a more consistent basis, which I'm not upset with either. That was on the YouTube channel, which is why I didn't make it into my notes, because I only watch the show, so thank you for helping me out. That That's one. why
4: we divide and conquer. <laughs> I just watch all the free stuff, so there you go. We, I got you, I got you. When in doubt, oh. Miranda watches all the stuff that does not cost money. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no.
5: The main event we did have um, it, it is lucha adjacent. It is not exceptionally lucha content, but we did have Danhausen produced a a four man team to go against Violence Unlimited, and he recruited Demonic Flamita on his side. Uh, so that is pretty much the only Lucha content on that side. The other side, Violence Unlimited, we've talked about. You've got Brody King, who's a Lucha Santino Brothers graduate. Homicide, Tony Deppen, who has actually had one of the most entertaining Lucha matches I've seen during the lockdown era. So, you know, you get your Lucha content when, uh, when Flamita is in the ring with any of those guys. So you do get some good stuff. It's a fun match but obviously you're going to have uh have have your mileage vary. Uh f- so for the record the the team that Danhausen put together was Danhausen, Flamita, Sledge and PCO against against Violence Unlimited of Brody King, Homicide, Tony Deppen and uh Chris Dickinson. Uh but that was so that was TV. Uh we're going to go as I alluded to ROH is celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month and they have a website which has uh videos of some of their their hand selected and curated moments. They start off the page with uh Roosh versus Bandito and they call this right out. Uh Bandito winning this made him the only the second Mexican ever to hold the ROH championship and he's the first uh masked luchador to hold the ROH championship. Uh plus this is just a banger of a match. Any fans of the either of these guys is not let down by this match at all. Uh, then they had Roxy winning the, the title against Miranda Alize. Uh I mean we we've already talked about that at length on this show. It's still worth a watch. Now you can get it for free on the, the webpage. Uh, then they featured Matt Taven winning the ROH championship at their Madison Square Garden show. Uh ROH lists Taven as being of Puerto Rican descent, which is why they have, have tied him in, a factoid that neither Miranda or I knew until this month. No, so now I keep my
4: eyes on you, Matt Taven. You're part of the you're you're part of the group. Yeah. Invenidos, you know. Not like you just became Puerto Rican, you know, Not find that either. But also, was not aware of this. And including most of the Instagram slash YouTube comments I read as well. We're not crazy. I just think it was very. And I went on his Instagram, barely any Puerto Rican flags. I'm just so, he really barely. made it hard. Barely any Puerto Rican flags. I'm just, Which? come on.
2: Based
5: on on my perceptions of Puerto Ricans on social media, that just, just tells me that's,
4: that that's very know. rare. I do know some Puerto Ricans who have no flags, uh, but that also you know. But then I'm like, what are what are you doing? You know, sometimes I I feel compelled to give them a flag just to be like, do you need one? Do you have one? Are you okay? <laughs>
5: Uh, they also featured, uh, Dragon Lee winning the IWGP Championship also at that Madison Square Garden show. Fantastic match. And then at the end we have Mandy Leone, uh, just a compilation of all of her, uh, work on ROH over the years. Uh, again, they, they list her. I totally did not catch this. I always thought based on her presentation, her, and her general attitude that she was italian american but no she is of cuban and puerto rican descent is what roh says so there we are we got uh, they're very well represented with matches they have a huge graphic which contains more wrestlers hispanic heritage month at roh uh just go to roh.com and uh they've got a big banner to it that'll lead you right there it's uh, well worth the the time to check out some of these matches
4: Brendan, up next, we have some big c m l l news uh regarding the Grand Prix
5: well, so by the time you're hearing this, the Grand Prix will have started they uh they're they're doing the tapings on friday uh, as of right now I'm still able to watch it i it looked like they let me buy a ticket unlike the anniversary anyway i'm just gonna uh, <laughs> they uh so I was able to get it's on it's on uh the uh Ticketmaster site, uh, Cubs Uh fan has links, or you can send me a direct message if you want to try and catch it. But, again, there's no instant replay on the, that format, so you're probably going to have to rely on the YouTube channel, which will have results shortly. Um Also, though, they are putting up tickets for the Day of the Dead show, which is going to be a pay-per-view as well. And as we've established on this show, I'm a huge fan of it. Dusty's a huge fan of it. Miranda is a fan of it, so we're gonna be talking about the Day of the Dead show. So, uh, you know, if you wanna see it live, the tickets are available now, or you can just wait until we talk about it, cause it's gonna be awesome. But that's, that's all I, I'm, I, I'm gonna cut short on the results. CMLL is putting up a ton of shows, as always. We will be covering the Grand Prix, including Avispa Dorada's return, because I gotta talk about her as well, but, we will focus on those results uh, next week.
4: Yeah. That is why you got to stay tuned to the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast each and every week for all of your Lucha Libre news. So make sure you stay tuned. Up next, we have NXT. And trust us, we were surprised as you are when we realized <laughs> they were this far on the rundown. Um But it's it's just the way that the cookie crumbles, you know, so much content. Um, And we have fairly limited Lucha Libre content, at least this week. And I preface that with this week because, you know, some of the results from the draft, as we talked about earlier, one that we didn't mention that does have an impact on Lucha Libre or some of the content we see on NXT is Hit Row was drafted to SmackDown. Um, which we had talked about on the show as far as what would happen with their feud with Legado de Fantasma if Hit Row uh was was drafted. Now we kinda know what's going to happen uh during this week's NXT Legado de Fantasma called out Hit Row um and specifically Santos Escobar challenged Isaiah Swerve Scott for the North American uh championship. Um, and, you know, I guess where Scott did accept, so we do, we're going to have this and, you know, who knows with, with Hit Row moving up to SmackDown, it is now very likely that Santos Escobar could win the NXT North American Championship, which is great, but on the downside, we don't. Quite see the really big match between Hit Row and the Garo de Fantasma that we had really been hoping for for months. So I mean, it's it's great news for Hit Row. I know there was a lot of mixed reactions on Hit Row being drafted, but that is you know the intention of NXTs to develop talent to bring them up. Yeah, on the downside again, that does leave now this pretty big storyline hole of Legado de Fantasma. Um that, that feud between them and Hit Row has really been flourishing for months now. To the point where, you know, Legado added Electra Lopez as to counterbalance Fab B. You know, mm-hmm. now that that goes away, what does that mean for Legado de Fantasma? Um, is there gonna be another storyline for them? Now, again, if Santos Escobar wins the North American Championship that's going to be a huge feather in his cap and that's going to be something that the entire faction can ride that wave on mm-hmm. um but it does leave a big you know what is next for the the uh the faction um so you know we're going to be covering that match next week it could be possibly one of the last times we see them in a ring together for quite some time. Um so I have a feeling they're going to make this match really one of the highlights of the entire show.
5: We've uh we've mentioned it before, but it's worth mentioning again. This is a triple A and uh Lucha Underground rematch. They mm-hmm. they did have different names at the time. Yeah. But this is and and it's been a banger of a match every on in every iteration. I also personally want to congratulate Swerve um he has this has been well known to people who know him personally this is a goal of his to get to the uh, WWE main roster mm-hmm. so congratulations man I know you worked hard to get there and I really I really hope you get all the success you deserve in the WWE
4: Yeah, I mean, Hit Row seems like a really well-built faction for SmackDown. Um, They have personality, they have attitude. You know, again, the mixed bag has been the varying levels of wrestling experience and ability within the faction. Um, You have, you know... Part of your faction that's pretty, you know, well-established as wrestlers. The other half is, you know, more inexperienced. But together, they create a very must-watch team. And at the end of the day, you know, when you're looking at, you know, your two big shows of Raw and SmackDown... It is the entertainment factor that carries people through. So, That's you know, true. again, I am in a much more selfish area where I we're not going to get this big blow-up or big blow-out match between Legato and Hit yeah. I've been really wanting, you know, that dream fantasy of a War Games match will not uh. happen. Uh, but I do think that this is a great example of bringing up some entertaining talent from NXT, yeah. uh, to a brand that seems to fit them very well. Uh, They're a
5: great fit, and yeah. I think they will do very big things there.
4: And then also we did have, uh, Frankie Monet on our TV screens again. Um, we had, and, and this came out in a very interesting way. Um, Cora Jade came out for her NXT debut. She was originally supposed to face Virginia Ferry. However, Frankie Monet pulls up and ends up just taking Fairy out. And, you know, Robert Stone is, you know, is there as well. Um, but pretty much, the change happens where Frankie says, no, Cora, I am your competitor. So, uh, that changes and we have Frankie Monet versus Cora Jade. You know, for the most part, again, we see the aggressiveness of Frankie Monet, um, really taking advantage of, you know, the ring space and really keeping Cora Jade to a corner. Um, and, you know, eventually she gets a, a little, a little cocky towards the end. Um, where she is going for her finisher, um, which I am not sure is it they call it glam slam in NXT I believe. Um and she's going for that. However, Cora Jade is able to uh roll through that and ends up with a roll up win over Frankie Monet. So now we have another loss for Frankie Monet after her defeat uh of Raquel Gonzalez, or being defeated by Raquel Gonzalez last week. Now, you know, she she gets a quick one out uh, from Cora Jade, which is big for Cora. You know, she is only 20 years old, the youngest person on the NXT roster. But Frankie Monet, uh, you know, does not lose. And so who knows if this is only going to get her angrier. Speaking of Raquel Gonzalez, we did see her on this week's episode of NXT. She was out for an interview and called out Mandy Rose. Uh, her and her group came out, um, and eventually, you know, ended up attacking Raquel Gonzalez. She got some backup from the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions and Io Shirai and Zoe Stark. So it looks like we may see a trios match happen, um, sometime in the near future. And I love the idea of the champions teaming up. That is a strong team to face, um, And so I think that would be a really great match to see. But Raquel Gonzalez, Zoe Stark, and Io Shirai all on the same team? Shut up and take my money.
5: Yeah, take my money. I I will go to Florida and watch that match.
4: Right? (laughs) (laughs) That is, you know, a a noteworthy match. So we – looks like we'll get that sometime in the near future. Um, And a final note, we did get confirmation this week that we are going to get – Halloween Havoc once again. It will be the October 27th edition. I'm sorry, the October 26th edition of NXT will be Halloween Havoc. No word yet on any changes to the set. Uh, no host. So already it's not going to be as good as last year's. But you know, I could be <laughs> convinced otherwise.
5: <laughs> However, just wait until I- you hear something, they just haven't announced anything yet.
1: Yeah,
5: shots is. Shotzi Shotzi is on on socials right now, uh, pushing Halloween like mad, so you never know. They may get the fever and bring her back anyway, so...
4: (laughs) That's that's
2: what they should do.
4: That's what they should do. Halloween Havoc was one of the best nxt events and one of the best wwe events of all of 2020 period i will die on that hill i will die on that hill if anybody wants to fight me on it i, I fighting um, you on that one <laughs> but anyways for any of those halloween havoc fans just know we are going to get halloween havoc nxt uh on tuesday october 26th And don't forget, you can get your NXT results on com. so if you missed it, you can check it out there, or just listen to this show each and every week. Um, Up next, we have Triple A preview of Heroes Immortales this weekend.
2: Yeah, like Miranda said, Heroes Immortales this weekend, Saturday night, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Uh... I They're going to do some weird thing where some of the matches are going to be taped at the beginning and some are going to air live. I don't know how all that works. But I have a feeling if you look around the Lucha blog, wherever, I don't know. But you might find it (laughs) out there. Just just look around. But, yeah, uh, it'll be out there to view. We'll run down the card for you real quick, refresh your memory. First match on the card, allegedly, uh, maybe it'll be the opening match. They say it is is Lucha Bros, Phoenix, and Pentagon. They're the tag team champions versus uh, Los Genete- Genetes del Are. There we go. Uh The Io del Vakingo Laredo Kid. That's a tag team title match. That's very exciting. Looking forward to that. That's probably going to be the match of the night. Second match on the card, Los Psycho Circus, Psycho Clown, Monster Clown, and Murder Clown versus La Empresa, Puma King, Sam Adonis, DMT Azul, Puma King's got some really cool new masks based on Peter Chris from Kiss that he's been showing off on Facebook. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, it is the coolest mask. Like, i got to have one. It is, yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's amazing. Super cool. Best mask I've seen in a long time, actually. So very high recommendation for me. Third match on the card, another trios match, El Poder Poder del Norte, Tito Santana, Carta Brava Jr., and Mocha Cota Jr. versus Nuevo Generacion Dinamita. Oh, fire. Uh, Fire. Yeah, finally we get this match. (laughs) And this has been super hyped. People are excited for this. This will be the first time that it doesn't kind of – Break down immediately. They had one match, but it didn't. Wasn't really a match. Super excited for this.
5: I just have to throw out this amazing stat: Poder del Norte. Until like two weeks of, a month ago, now probably was undefeated on an undefeated streak for multiple years.
4: Whoa. Yeah, literally so, years.
2: Yeah. <laughs> As a Mister Iguana fan, yeah, that, that hurt me. <laughs> They always beat him. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, next match on the card is a nine person Copa Antonio Pena match that sees Pimpinella Escarlata versus Mamba, Aerostar, Sexy Star 2, Dave the Clown, Kira, <laughs> Viano 3 Jr., Ares, and Argenis. And it's interesting these uh, kind of intergender copas aren't super common, so it's a really cool way to. If you're into intergender wrestling, this is a yeah. super cool match. Some people, it's not their thing, but I, I like the idea that the exoticos, the ladies, the men, they're all in it. Like it's a anybody could win. I I like and, that beat. and a clown, and a clown, <laughs> a clown named Dave. Yeah, (laughs) from Mexico, a clown named Dave from Mexico. Right?
5: (laughs) Always, always get a giggle, and they introduce him like so seriously, like Dave, 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 the clown. Uh,
2: Yeah, he he's a lot of fun. Our, our fifth match on the card is another trios match. This will probably be where we see our beloved cookie sheets when Pegano, <laughs> Chessman, and Lady Shawnee go up against Abismo Negro Jr., Latigo, and Cheek Tormenta. Like, ah, oh, this is going to be a fun one. Yeah. Number, yeah. I mean, like very cool. Like I said, most likely to see the cookie sheets. Number six is Los Mercenarios, La Hydra, Reyes, Scorpion, and Taurus. They're the trio's champions, and they're in a title match against Octagon Jr., Mysticese Jr., and Otter Meese. And, like, ugh, that's... That that could easily be the, the show stealer, too. Big, exciting match there. And our final match is another trios match, Nino Amberguesa, Fabi Apache, and Mr. Iguana versus La Parca Negra, El Io del Tarantes, wrestling, not officiating, and Superfly. So oh, wow,
5: Superfly, something. too. Yeah.
4: I've
2: got some bad news for you, Dusty.
4: Oh,
5: Mr. Iguana's probably gonna wind up. No! I
2: <laughs> when you see the talent just, stacking up, it's like a uh... <laughs>
5: But it is a main event and a major pay per view for or or pay per view equivalent for Mr. Iguana, so that's very cool.
2: Yeah. And it's always exciting to see him. And we'll report all the results and all the action next week. I'm excited to see it this weekend. And if you need the news, Pastor Nat, check out luciuscentral.com. He's going to have all the news and reviews and everything up there. And yeah. now, yeah. And now, usually at those events, so we should get it up to the oh, minute. Oh, that's true. I forgot. Pep usually goes. And so that's it's always exciting to get his firsthand information there. And Next up, we've got Miranda. She's got some Impact Wrestling.
4: Yes, just a few little tidbits for you. A man that we've talked about several times throughout tonight's show, uh, Laredo Kidd, was on before the Impact facing the drama king, Matthew Reholt. And this match was fairly surprisingly good. And I guess I don't mean that in a way that, I didn't expect it, the competitors themselves to be good but um I haven't seen Matthew Reault uh I'm uh, oh, sorry, uh, wrestling quite some time, and I was curious as to how, you know, the chemistry and dynamic would be in this match, but it worked out very well. Um, An interesting note that the commentators played up the comparisons uh between Laredo Kid and Rey Mysterio, as far as, you know, Rey Mysterio being one of the world's most famous luchadors, and the potential that Laredo Kid has, and I... and You know, at first I just thought it was kind of a cheap way of drawing the comparison, but there's some logic to it as far as Laredo Kid's, you know, growing popularity in the United States, his visibility, his moveset. Um, I think, you know, just understanding that blend of lucha and American wrestling, he gets that better than a lot of other luchadors. And so with that kind of mulling in my head, I understood the comparison a, a little bit better. But in the match itself, uh you had Laredo Kid with some big moves. He had a suicide dive through the middle rope. But the drama king caught him and turned that into a net breaker. So I think that was one of the first instances in this match where I could see how smart Rahul is in, you know, being able to pick his moves. Um, Later on in the match, um, Laredo Kid would come back with a drop kick from the top rope Um, and then he landed a springboard, springboard moonsault off the middle rope. Um, and then he had one, not only one, but two twisting moonsaults from the, uh, I believe the second rope, um, or no, that was, I think I believe the top rope at the time, but still landing those back to back and the crowd loved it. They said one more time, one more time when he landed that second one. Um, he went up to the top rope for some kind of corkscrew moonsault, but miss, and that's when Matthew Rayholt was able to kind of capitalize and take advantage uh, and take the charge in the match, uh, but then they end up at the top rope, and Laredo Kid hits Matthew with a huge slap to the chest, so loud that you can hear it echo through the arena, they battle over the top rope, Laredo Kid kind of teased the Spanish fly, but then he gets knocked off the top rope, he runs back up, And ends up landing the Spanish Fly for the win. So another win for Laredo Kidd um, on before the Impact. It is obvious that his chemistry with the Impact roster is is gelling fairly well. So even though he lost his match last week to be part of that X Division um, title match, um, it still shows in his wins that Impact is putting some level of importance on him on the roster. As far as this week on Impact, two matches you'll want to keep an eye out for. Um, we did have a qualifier match for the X Division Championship match, as they call it, the X Division Tournament match, even though it's very similar to the format that Brendan had brought up for Ring of Honor. I believe you're going to have three different triple threat matches, and the winners of those matches will then head to a finals match. Uh, with all the, the winners and, and so on and so forth. So, um you know, last week, uh, you had, I'm trying to even remember who won last week's match. I know Laredo Kid was in that match, but he didn't win. Um and I apologize, I honestly forgot who won last week's qualifier match. However, this week, in the qualifier match, we had Steve Macklin versus Petey Williams versus Black Taurus. Um, and in this match, Steve Macklin won. So this was a little bit of a surprise, but not really. When you think about, you know, uh, Steve Macklin's run on the roster, that actually now reminds me that Steve Macklin will now be facing Trey Miguel, who won last week's match. Um, so I believe we're going to have one more qualifier match to determine the third participant in this X Division title match. We also had a tag match. Uh, between Rich Swan and Willie Mack versus Ziggy Dice, uh, Ziggy Dice and Manny Lemons in which Rich Swan and, uh, Willie Mack won. So, uh, the tag team of Willie Mack and Rich Swan continue. What we know as far as long term for them, not entirely sure, but, um this match is likely more of a comedy match uh which impact does actually very very well so if you're looking for a good laugh and some good moves this tag match is one to watch um but also a pretty uh big note as well um that mercedes martinez made her debut on impact um on this week's episode of Impact which to me was a little surprising because I didn't expect to see her until um the knockouts knockdown uh event that's happening um on October 9th this Saturday uh but we did have her um in a I believe it was a um three-way tag match um we had um her teaming up with, uh, Tasha Steeles and Savannah Evans, uh, versus, I believe Lady Frost, um Kimberly, and, who's the other one? Lauren. Oh, I just forgot her name. Uh but anyways, uh Mercedes Martinez made her Impact debut uh on this week's episode of Impact and she is going to be featured um in the Knockouts tournament, the Knockouts Knockdown tournament this um, Friday, Brandi Lauren, I'm sorry, is the third person that was on that team. Mercedes is actually going to be facing Brandi Lauren, um, in the tournament. Um, it also includes Tasha Steeles versus Jamie Sinidel, Chelsea Green versus Renee Michelle, and Lady Frost versus Rachel Ellering. All first round matches. The winner of this tournament will receive a opportunity for the knockouts championship um against Diana Parasso. So um that's a that's something to keep an eye out for uh this Saturday. It is exclusively, I believe, on the Impact Plus app, the knockouts knockdown event. We're also going to have a Monsters Ball match Savannah Evans versus Kimberly versus uh, Alicia Edwards versus Jordan Grace. Um, so this all-women's event is going to be something to watch out for, to keep your eye out on, um, and highly, highly entertaining. So uh, the Knockouts knockdown Saturday, October 9th on the Impact Plus app. I believe it's also available for anyone who is an ultimate insider for um, Impact Wrestling. So, that is it for this week's edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to visit luchacentral.com. Your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. On top of that, don't forget to check out Lucha Central on social media at Lucha Central on Instagram and Twitter. I'm sorry, on Facebook and Instagram, and at luchacentral.com on Twitter. So again, Lucha Central on Facebook and Instagram, and LuchaCentral.com on Twitter. Don't forget the YouTube page that has tons and tons of exclusive content you can't find anywhere else, including matches and interviews. And while you're at it, go ahead and follow us on social media. Dusty, where can our listeners find you?
2: I am on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy, and I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy.
4: And Brendan, where can our listeners find you?
5: I am three two one T-shirt guy. That is the number three two one. T-shirt guy is all spelled out. I am on Facebook. I am on Instagram, and I'm all over the twitters.
4: And me, Miranda Morales, you can find me at the hashtag Miranda, hashtag spelled out, on Instagram and Facebook. Don't forget, if you are listening to this show on your favorite podcast streaming platform like Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and much more, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Subscribe and get a notification every time a new episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast drops. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Let us know your thoughts on the show. Let us know about the topics we discuss. If there's anything we should cover more or cover less, let us know. Uh, we've already talked about it before, but just one final plug for our interview with Danny in Limelight is also up and available on all of our platforms, including luchacentral.com, thechairshot.com, and all of our podcast streaming platforms. You gotta listen to the interview. It is everything and more. Uh, Danny talks so much about his career. Uh, how he got to MLW, you know, his upcoming matches in October, including PCW Ultra, uh, New Japan Strong, and, uh, of course, MLW. Um, you know, he talks about his career in entertainment, uh, you know, how he got to wrestling from previously being in the Marines and much, much more. That interview is now up and available. It is a must-listen interview. You don't want to miss out on that.
5: An
2: entertainment
5: family, just to give you a
4: weird little teaser. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he
2: was such a cool guy. <laughs>
4: yeah. Um, and with that, well, that's the end of this week's episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to check us out. Uh Feel free to reach out to us on social media. Also, as Brendan alluded to, Um if you are an independent wrestling promoter, fan, or, you know, uh, wrestler um, that way we be, may be able to cover you in a future edition of the indie roundup. We do love to promote independent wrestling and wrestlers and promotions that have a focus on lucha libre, so make sure you reach out to us if you think you'd like to be uh, in uh, featured in a future uh, indie roundup and with that, that's the end of the show. For Brendan Barr and Dusty Murphy, my name is Miranda Morales. Thank you all so much and we will be back with you next